well, yes, we're teaching them the shop, but there's also in Google such an ecosystem of mm -hmm. like helping merchants, growing businesses, making sure that the ecosystem's healthy and that people can shop big and small and they can find black owned and they can shop nearby. So even though we're helping people buy things, we're also helping impact businesses right. and also bringing them new technology, which to me is amazing. This is What's Next podcast with Yumindi Francis. We're talking fashion, business, and what's next. Let's go. Stephanie Horton is a leading C-suite executive of the global luxury and fashion industry. She's currently global consumer marketing director for Commerce at Google, where she leads B2C marketing teams, helping to shape and drive the vision and strategy for Google shopping and travel. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, Mindy. How are you? It's so good to see you. It's so good to be here. Stephanie's a good friend of mine, full disclosure. <laughs> uh, we're recording this on the first day of New York Fashion Week, and we started the day at Christie's for Andre Leon Talley's exhibition, which was really something special to behold. It was amazing. Uh, I know. Ran into you with a few people, Beth Ann Hardison, Veronica Webb. Desiree Rogers, Fashion Fair and Opal Cosmetics, yeah. Black Opal Cosmetics. So, yeah, Fashion Week is off to a running start. It is off and running and to a good start. I thought that was a really great way to kick things off yeah. just um, in honor of Andre and like all the amazing things. I mean, there were like 12 rooms. 12 rooms. Yeah. So much. Yeah. It was um, amazing. Trunks from all different brands and photos of, the you know, Diane Freeland oh and my gosh. Karl Lagerfeld and himself. And it was really a, a solemn but no. beautiful celebration and Amazing. really made me feel like how much we missed him. Yeah. Um, I mean, but also great to see everyone. Yeah, that was, I was going to say, it was good to see everyone there. Um, but I, I'm not going to lie, I immediately went home and went on the website and started to see what I could bid on. Because I mean, from the artwork to the jewelry to the yeah. I mean, there were so many amazing things Beautiful, yeah. beautiful pieces of jewelry as well. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, you're a 25-year veteran of the luxury fashion and marketing community. You've developed and executed creative marketing solutions, both domestically and internationally for brands. How have you brought this expertise to your position at Google? Yeah, I mean, I think the great thing about all of my, you know, jobs is that, you know, I've worked in a lot of different industries and a lot of different touch points, but I think the main task at hand is pretty consistent. And that's, you know, how do you raise awareness or how do you shape a brand? So, you know, whether it be Vogue or Farfetch or, you know, Wang, all of those places were a point in time where something needed to be created mm -hmm. and then scaled. So I think that's kind of my expertise and, you know, where my, I guess, superpowers lie. Where you so, shine. Yeah, where I shine. So, you know, for shopping, it's gone through a few iterations. I think like this is like the time where, you know, we're like, you know, there's a big opportunity here. Um, you know, people shop on Google a billion times a day. How do we create and amplify this opportunity so that more people know about it and know all the different tools they can use to shop and travel with Google? It's so fascinating. Since you've been there, I my antenna has been up. I first organically noticed the changes and then asked you about them and have been fortunate enough to attend some of your events. And it's just remarkable. I use both platforms so much. You've had one of the most phenomenal career trajectories of anyone I know in the fashion industry. And now you're in tech at Google. Walk us through your professional journey. 
because you certainly have the receipts. I think it's inspiring for people to know what can be accomplished. And, you know, we're learning that in hearing about your path. Yeah, I mean, I've so taken, when, where did you start? Yeah, as you to say, I've taken a lot of right and left turns. <laughs> um, so I actually started in finance and, you know, after undergrad and worked in finance for a couple of years, did the customary go back to business school. And I think it was definitely in business school where I was like, I don't know if this is my jam. So kind of made a right turn or a left turn, you know, I know which way you see it, to marketing in the middle of school and came out and actually worked for an agency, a draft worldwide in Chicago. Okay. And, you know, this is going to predate me a lot, but, you know, this is way before social media or anything else. And the firm bought a company called KBA Marketing, which did experiential marketing. So that was like when you were on the street, you know, trying to get people to do things and really raise awareness for brands. Right. So it was, I remember my first client was Nike and we did um, this thing called the Nike Fun Police, where we would like go up to people and be like, you're wearing Adidas, write you a ticket and give you like a, <laughs> and give you like a coupon to shop at Nike. So this was like, you know, kind of like influencer marketing and all that kind of stuff before influencers. In another example, I opened the, the Delano Hotel um, wow. and launched the Escalade in in Miami. And we had people like Carmen Electra and LL Cool J who were really cool back then. They're so cool now, right. but, you know, they were really <laughs> cool back then in the car. So, again, it was kind of influencer marketing before Instagram because this was like, what, uh, 1997-ish. Yeah. So. You know, that I think made me see that like partnerships were important and they also leveraged brands and gave them a real ability to scale beyond their own customer base. Like marrying the Delano and Cadillac was something that was no one ever thought of that. But suddenly when you pulled up to the Delano, you had a Cadillac and LL was like, I need this car. And I'm like, there's something here. Right. So after that, I actually went on to move to New York, worked at Gotham Magazine with Jason Ben, launched that. And the same, it was just a lot of partnerships and, you know, how do you leverage to make each brand bigger? And from there, I got a call from the New York Times and kind of went back to my roots a little bit because I worked in due diligence. I worked in um, strap planning. Okay. So I did a lot of diligence for Thursday Styles, T Magazine, which didn't exist then. But, you know, we did all the diligence behind it and then launched it with Stefano Tonki. Um, so a lot of great experiences there. And then moved on, on to Vogue. And actually, my... Um, job there was like to put some rigor behind the CFD book fashion fund in the Met. Like how do we monetize it as well as how does a magazine get more non-endemic ad advertisers, some non-fashion. So, okay. you know, the automotive advertisers and the liquor advertisers, you know, more the Vanity Fair crew, uh, which was my expertise because I had come from a company that did a lot of automotive advertising. So I was able to create a few things there, including the Vogue 100, wow. um, which still exists today. And again, I think it was maybe creating something before its time, because my whole intent with that was around 2008 when everything crashed, right? Right. And people wanted, you know, a lot of our advertisers, like, how do we get people in stores? And I think everyone was tired of just being invited to an event for no reason. So I had a friend host an event at her home with the clothes in Dallas. And it was the best thing ever. I mean, it's like, this is a great environment. I'm like, oh, what if I had more of my friends right. host events? You had, and she had like amazing artwork. So people were coming for different reasons. So start off with 10 women, I think in five cities, all my friends. And it started working out really well. Like all these retailers were like, how do we do the next one? 
So literally, I ended up doing five people in five markets. Each of them recommended people. And by the next seven months, I had 100 people. And, you know, we were like, what should we call it? I'm like, Vogue 100. <laughs> and that, that, was the first, that was the first iteration of it. And yeah, we started doing, it started expanding. So companies like Neiman Marcus started using the ladies to see like, you know, do you think we have the right things? Like Chanel would be sending them face creams before they, mar you know, they um, launched it. So it really was kind of that, again, influencer group before, you know, there were, there were real, you know, influencers as we see them today. So it stayed there for a while, got recruited by um, Shopbop. And, and how long were you at Vogue? I was at Vogue almost seven years. Wow. Yeah, so. Receipts, like I said. Receipts. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> lots of, um, and I loved it there. I mean, you know, I had a great boss in Tom Florio. Um, we love Tom yeah, Florio. Yeah, we love Tom Florio. <laughs> uh, learned a lot, like right? learned a lot there. You know, I think that's where I actually grew up and, and kind of got some real business chops. Yeah. And, you know, I think Anna too, like you just learn like to be direct, to be decisive you know, to make decisions quickly. And I think all of that, like, is is really in hand how I manage and, and do business today. Um, so, yeah, so stayed there. Actually, it was funny. Amazon was sponsoring the Met, and I was writing the proposal for them. And the they, Met Ball. The Met Ball, right. yes. The Met Ball. The Met Ball. <laughs> and they were like, we want all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, you've never worked with this. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, you know, it was kind of rewriting it. And they were like, oh, you know, would you be interested in a job here? And at that time, like, again, loved Vogue. They were very good to me. But I think it was just time to learn something new. After seven um, years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seven-year itch. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, e-commerce was coming on the horizon. This is now 2011. And I'm like, I think, you know, I need to learn. So where about, you know, where else do you learn about e-commerce than Amazon? It's like your MBA in, right. in you know, e-commerce as well as digital marketing. Right. So went there. And that was pivotal to me because there you know, we, it was shop up and I was, uh, basically the marketing director and they were trying to launch internationally. So we had no, there was no playbook, you know, no precedent. There was no precedence. And it's 2011. Yeah. It's 2011. <laughs> and they were like, we want to launch in China. So myself and the head of international Karen Goyer at the time, we like literally get on a plane to China to figure out how do we do business here? You know, and, and no Instagram, really. No, no. Instagram had just launched in 2010. So right. there was no, there's no, there's <laughs> nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. So literally, we're figuring out, like, do we land servers here? Like, you, like, how do we market? Okay, they don't use Google. It's Baidu. You know, how do we performance market if you're not, you right. know, buying keywords here? Like, how do we do? So it was literally like figuring out the business soup to nuts. And we replicated that same process in Russia and the Middle East. So for me, it was like my first real opportunity to go outside of the U.S. Yeah. And really learn, like, you have to learn culture. You culture. have to learn business skills. You have to learn personal skills. Like, you know, in some places you need to hold the business card with two hands and wait until they take it. Like, you know, there's right. so many nuances in how people do business and like what's going to make you successful, you know, in every single market. Yeah. So I think that was a big learning for me and being able to have a wider breadth right. um, to offer. And it came in handy because uh, I got a call from, um, actually Condé Nast had invested in Farfetch, this okay. company called Farfetch that nobody had heard of. <laughs> and I uh, got a call uh, to actually run the U.S. 
And, you know, I went on the interview, like, you know, a couple of interviews, and they realized I had all this international experience. And they were like, oh, we actually have a CMO position open, but it's in London. And I'm like, well, I have no intention of moving to London. So, you know, because <laughs> you're in New York. I, at yeah, this I'm, time. I'm in New York at yeah. this time. And I, I don't know. I had no intention of moving. I really didn't. So I was like, you know, thank you very much. Goodbye. Five um, years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Five years later, I lived there for six years. Uh, but no, it was literally Jose. Jose, who founded Farfetch, was in the States the next two weeks. And they were like, we just want you to speak to our founder and, you know, make your decision. And literally within, I don't know, 20 minutes speaking to Jose, I was packing my bags. Because he's the loveliest person. <laughs> I mean, he's the loveliest person, but he's also such a visionary. Wow. And you just want to be a part of the dream. I'm like, right. I don't even know if this sounds viable or if this is going to work, but I'm doing this, right. you know? Um, and, and at that point, it was a big chance to take, right? This is an unknown site. It's an unknown process. At that point, there were no marketplaces. Right. So this is a very new way to shop. The tech is, you know, kind of like shaky at best. You know, there's a lot of risks here. But needless to say, the next two months, I packed my bag and moved to London, right. where was my home for the next five years. Amazing. Um, and that was amazing. We launched nine markets. You know, so I launched Tokyo, I launched Shanghai, we launched Russia and Moscow, we launched the Middle East, you know, we opened another office in LA, we did, you know, South America. So that for me was, again, like, just a really global... Um, but you had been prepared for yeah, it. Yeah, but I was prepared for it. So, you know... <laughs> right woman for the job. Exactly. <laughs> and I knew and I knew what to ask for and right. do at that point. So, you know, working with the COO at the time, it was a small team, you know, when I went there. So yeah. it was like, maybe... Five, five of us in the C team, um, you know, and, and below. You guys were and we jamming were like from day one. Engine, yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, an engine. And we were just like, a lot of the times we didn't know what we were doing, but right. somehow it always worked out. Right. But a great opportunity. But then it was time for me to move back home. Um, you know, my parents, you know my parents. My parents yeah. are older. And, you know, I was just like, I've been here a long time. Yeah, it was time to come back. So... Came back and worked with Alex yes. um, Wang for a couple of years, who I love. He just did his first show in four years a couple of days oh ago, which goodness. was amazing. I've yes, literally I texted him like, it. I need this. <laughs> I saw you before you went to yeah. the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was an amazing show. But, you know, went to Alex. And again, for me, it was another pivotal moment because, you know, I had never really been over operations, licensing, partnerships. Okay, so you were CMO at Farfetch, so CMO and Farfetch, now, now I'm chief strategy officer. Oh my, okay. So now I've like a little bit raised the globally. bar. So, yeah, globally. Okay. So it's it's beyond marketing. I am in charge of sales globally, you know, all of the, all kind of the operational parts bottom of, line it, of the, the business. bottom line of the business, you know, partnerships. Like basically my job is how do we make money? Right. And which should be our, you know, which should be our strategy go forward. And we were also at that time working on a fundraise. So that was all great to me because I'm like, you know, I've never had an exit. You know, I've never really been the person to put the deck together for the yeah. company. You know, it was a bit of a restructure on the sales side. So that was interesting, you know, reorganizing how the global sales process worked and then really getting in there and learning product and countersourcing and like how to be efficient and you know, really how to run a business right. and set it up for scale and success. Like, you know, I did a eyewear license. We started an underwear, you know, and stuff that's still going on today and lots of great partnerships. Lots of cool events. Yeah, lots of cool events. <laughs> well, with Alex. cool celebrities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you, what would you expect? Like, nothing less with Alex. Um, but again, I think each job set me up for the next one. Yeah. So, you know, I had, you know, 
deficiencies to me and then and like what I was able to offer in my repertoire and this kind of filled the hole. Right. Um, so when Google called, you know, I think I was ready right. um, to take this on because obviously this is a scale that, you know, I've never worked on, never worked a company this large. Right. You know, obviously, you know, the, the job, fine, but I think the reach right. is like, you know, the thing that really attracted me because, you know, after leaving Wang, you know, I was kind of like, what do I, I want to do something with impact. And I did in between, I was um, CEO, CEO of a company um, on a contract called Hemp Taylor, okay. um, which was, it made outerwear out of hemp. So 100%, you know, hemp is the so most sustainable, sustainable product. Wow. The most sustainable product. And for me, it was like, you know, I've done all these amazing jobs, but I don't feel like I really made an impact on anything. Like, who I really helped. Right. Help people shop and get yeah. a lot of nice stuff. But, you know, like, I guess as far as legacy in the world. Yeah. I felt like I needed to do something else. And I think this job gave you, gives you the platform to really make an impact, you know, on people. Yes, we're teaching them to shop, but, you know. There's also in Google such an ecosystem of mm-hmm. like helping merchants, you know, growing businesses, making sure that the ecosystem's healthy and that, you know, people can shop big and small and they can find black owned and they can shop nearby. So, you know, I think even though we're helping people buy things, we're also helping impact businesses. Right. And, and also bringing them new technology, which, which to me is amazing. And you started at Google in 2020. I did. During the height of the pandemic. I started right in the middle of pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's um, such a pivotal time for everyone's business. And here you are diving in head first into one of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was funny. Like when I had my first meeting with everyone and we're all on the GVC, like looking, I'm like, this is so bizarre because, you you know, massive. It's, it's, yeah, it's massive. And it's just like, I mean, like literally there was like a, you know, a Black History Month thing. And like, you know, I just tune in because I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like I will say one thing, like Google's very supportive and does a lot of programs for, you know, BIPOC and like everything. Right. But I literally tune in. It's like Michelle Obama. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I work at Google. Yeah, like, right. You know, because I'm like, yeah, I'm like, how? <laughs> like, you know, usually it's like me talking at the company, Black History Month, yeah. you know, situation. So, yeah, I think that's so incredible. My next question was, how did you transition from fashion and media to tech? But you walked us through this. And I think it's so important and inspiring for people at every stage of their career to hear about your evolution. Yeah. Because they're able to see the possibilities for themselves in your story. Yeah. And that's what's so inspiring. And I think, you know, one thing about that, like, that I would say is I like to stay uncomfortable. I was just going to say that. Yeah. You definitely, in your explanation, talked about diving into spaces that you were uncertain. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I I would say, like, (laughs) three-fourths of the jobs that I've had, like, I've always known how to do the core. Like, you know, I can look at a business, assess it, understand how to grow it and, and come up with a plan. You know, that's why I'm a strategist. But I don't know anything about China. Like, right. you know, I don't know anything about product at Google and how, you know, engineering and how that, you know, so I think I like, though, having that, like, little bit of instability and, and just uncomfortableness that I need to learn because I think that's what gives me a little bit of, of passion and, like, motivation to go forward. Like, if it's easy... It's not really for me. Right. You know, I like right. to have something to figure out. So I think that's why 
jumping different industries and just, you know, being open to new experiences is really important. And it just like rounds you up. Like, you know, if I hadn't taken some of these jobs, I would have never had some of these experiences. Right. You know, it's amazing. Well, you talked a little bit about your responsibilities at, at Google right now. But when you start your day, what's one thing that's top of mind for Google? So, wow, one thing, I think there's a lot of things <laughs> top of mind for Google. I know, that's I a funny question. Like, like, one thing. No, I, doubt. I mean, like, my job. So, I mean, my job and my team, like, you know, basically, if you've ever shopped for anything on Google, price compared, you know, looked for nearby or, you know, tried to do a flight, that, that those are the things we handle. Mm -hmm. So, I guess, you know, top of mind every day for all of these things are, you know, we, we do brand. So, it, you know, we look at competitive analysis. So, you know, are we competitive? Like, you know, we do research, we work with our product and engineering teams, you know, we work on go-to-market strategies. So I think, you know, it, the, each day, I think it's, it's different. like a different, colorful. yeah, it's very colorful. You know, we look for interesting partnerships. Um, so I think each day is very colorful, but I think, you know, obviously we work for a tech company and, you know, the the bottom line is we want to make things easier for you and give you the information that you need to make the decisions you need. So I right. think that's what we're all working towards. And it definitely helps if you're looking for that leopard print jacket. You just go on Google and you'll just click shopping. And you'll see yes. all the options. Yeah. And, and, and all the filters to make you like filters. if you want to shop by price or value or if you want to shop near you or, you know, you want to filter by size, you know, it gives you all of those things. Right. I just, I want to talk about some of the initiatives that you've done while during your tenure at Google. There's so many incredible things that I've witnessed yeah. and, and just noticed organically. And I'm like, hey, that's, I think that's Stephanie. And yeah. it is. <laughs> Tell me about some of the things that you're proud of, some of the initiatives that you've been involved in thus far. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few things. I mean, for me, I think you know, one of the things I always love to do is help small businesses. Like, you know, my dad had a side hustle growing up called Stephanie's Boots and Shoes. I remember you telling me yeah. that. And so I saw him kind of struggle with like how to grow this business and like, you know, all these things and tips and tools and that are available now really weren't available then. But even now, it's hard for people to know and get access to to capital to like, oh, okay, I'm on Google. How do I use all these tools? And I think for me, it's been amazing to be able to do things to bring all this to life. So I think one partnership that we did last year with American Express, we did murals actually in five cities, which um, we had Black artists and, you know, just actually BIPOC artists um, do paintings of small businesses. So okay. each mural had um, a group yes, of small that. businesses, and you can QR code them and shop the murals. And we also had a site that was dedicated to it. So it brought to life a lot of businesses that no one ever heard of. And we did them in major markets and, you know, some adjacent to the neighborhoods that, that they were in. And so we were able to bring attention to all of these, which was amazing. Right. And then, you know, recently, actually last year going into this year, we've partnered with 15% Pledge. And Aurora James, which has been amazing. Tell us about what is 15% okay, pledge. So 15% pledge, um, you know, I think two years ago after the whole um, unfortunate, you know, unfortunate George, George Floyd, Floyd incident. Incident. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Aurora James, who founded it, was like, you know, this is crazy. Why is this happening? 
you know, like we need to do something just to, you know, just mobilize and, yeah. and rally. And Everyone so, had a feeling of wanting to do something. Do something. And a lot of wonderful help. initiatives yeah. were birthed from that moment. Exactly. Um, unfortunately. So, yeah. Um, and 15% it's a pledge is one, one of, them. of them. So basically it's having uh, major retailers dedicate 15% of the shelf space to Black-owned brands. Right. Which is great, but a lot of the brands don't have infrastructure or really like, you know, don't have a way to even get to 15% of shelf space because they have supply issues, they have production issues. So one of the things that we were able to do was bring in the B2B side of Google and train all of the businesses in their database on like, how do you get discovered online? You know, how do you use Google Analytics? Like, how do you use all these great tools that we have on the merchant side to really expand your business? and then we took it a step further this year where we did the first ever Achievement Awards where we gave um, one business $200,000, um, 54 Throne, just a beauty brand one. So again, and we'll be able to give mentoring um, to the brands, continue to expand our educational program of um, the database. So I think, you know, being able to do things like this are amazing. And I think being able to do it at scale and the reach that Google has is amazing. Is an impactful. Yeah. And I I love that you naturally, of course, find ways to call upon your previous experience. Because one thing about the fashion industry, it's one thing to see it from the outside looking in. But when you're inside, there's so many layers to it. Yeah. And in order to just, you know, thrive in business, you kind of need to know. You just know. Yeah. And having you at Google in this capacity really, you know, hit the nail on the head as to how to help in this moment. Yeah. Partnering with 15% Pledge in that way, helping the founders and supporting with funding. Yeah. You know, is is a home run. Yeah. Yeah. Like it hits both sides. And I think that's what we were really going for is just being able to not just write a check or have our logo on something, but really be able to have impact and and help the businesses who need who need the help. So you're from Chicago. I am. Chi-town. <laughs> Tell us how being from Chicago informs some of your professional creative choices. I mean, I think, you know, growing up Chicago was great. You know, it's it's a kind of the best of both worlds. It's a it's a big city, but you know, it's Midwest at heart. So, you know, you kind of get the values of a Midwestern, you know, you, you know everyone in your block, you know, everyone knocks on everyone's door and you come out to play. You know, it's right. like kind of old school, but you're still in a good sized city. So I think for me, you know, it's all about values and like, you know, how you treat people, how you want to be treated, you know, what you want to get out of life, what what legacy you want to leave. And I think a lot of that is from my upbringing and my parents and the people I was around and just the environment. I was in, you know, it, 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 you know, I came to New York and I remember maybe the second day I moved here, like, you know, in Chicago, you walk by someone, you smile, you say, Hey, you know, when you're walking down the street. And I remember like doing that to someone and they were like, (laughs) they gave me a look and I was just like, Oh my God. And I I remember calling my mom. I'm like, you're not supposed to smile here. (laughs) I'm like, I need to like, you know, totally. And we're all black. Yeah. And and we're all black. (laughs) And I need to like totally change my persona and become like, you know, so it was just a funny, you know, metamorphosis of like my Chicago persona to like my now (laughs) New York persona. But I think, you know, still all that follows with me. 
And, you know, I hope I haven't changed too much. But yeah, I think definitely those Midwestern values are, are really important. That's wonderful. That's your core. So I know you're passionate about giving back, obviously, and you've applied that in a broader tech and fashion industries via your platform that you co-founded, Fashion Tech Connects, just to name a few. Yeah. Can you tell us about your work with this organization? Yes. No. Um, Fashion Tech Connects, I started with Stacey Henderson, who is the new U.S. CMO of Todd's group. <laughs> um, we love Stacey. We love Stacey. Like Stacey and I met probably 25 years ago when I was at Vogue. And we were at a meeting for the September issue. She was working on events and marketing at Versace, and I was at Vogue. And there was probably a meeting of 20, and we were the only two people of color. Like, we changed the demographic when we walked into the room. And I remember being, I remember noting this, and we, that's how we met. And yeah. we became, you know, obviously became friends from that and are still friends today. And over the years, we've definitely both moved in different jobs and different circles. but. I think one thing we always knew was like, wow, there's not many of us here in in leadership positions and sometimes in any position. Right. This is bad. So when I moved back to the States in 17, we had talked about doing this. I was like, we just need to do this. And I think, you know, whenever you talk about doing something, you want to do it big and grand. I was like, I think we're not going to do it that way. Wow. You call two jobs that you just had. I'll call my two of my old jobs and we're going to throw up a website, like you're going to be in charge so of that. So tell, tell us what... what so Fashion Tech yeah. Connect. So basically, we wanted to start an organization to help people break into fashion and tech. Because we noticed that there was a, a disparity. huge disparity in people of color, especially women, in roles in fashion and tech companies. So again, like I think when we first started talking about it, we we're like, we're going to get 20 companies and this person's going to sponsor, it's going to be all this. But we both have full-time jobs. That's a lot of work. So right. I'm like, but we want to still do this. So we literally divide, divided and conquered. It's just the two of us, like, self-funded. And we built a website. Like, literally, Stacy built the site. I wrote the copy. We both, you know, called old friends at jobs. And we started it with uh, internships from Farfetch, um, Stitch Fix, um, Alexander Wang, because I was there at the time. Right. I think, and we had Tori Birch. I think we had another company again, maybe Gucci, or maybe there was a second. I think it was Gucci. And we literally put out a call for, for you know, I, I found this site that actually went to all the colleges. Wow. So we, you know, we put put it up and we ended up having like 300 people apply. Um, Stacy and I, like, you know, we did out, interviewed everybody. And then the two of you, the two of us. I did not know that. Yeah. The two of us. Like, we were like, we need an intern. We need an intern. Like, right. We're providing internships. <laughs> like, what are we thinking? But literally, we interviewed everyone on our own because I think one of the things that we were selling to the companies or, you know, our, you know, at this point, our old jobs and colleagues is that, like, Stacey and I are hiring managers. We know what companies look for. Right. We're going to weed it out and get you the best person for your internship. And we had internships from developers to e-commerce, to PR and marketing, but really just to give girls exposure into things that they never would have. No, it's hard to get a job at Tory Burch. It's hard to get a job at Alex Wang, you know? And, and then, you know, they go on to want to look at different things. So we started it. We put the criteria that you had to be at a four-year university uh, with a 3.0 grade point average. And we went from there. And yeah, we've done it every year since with it expanding we had Rishma last year, like, you wow. know, just major companies have now called and uh, wanting to be involved with like some really interesting, like last year, I think we offered 
an internship from Rishma at um, Van Cleef, but in the um, in the curating, like in the archive and curating the archive, which is super cool. I'm like, can I do? Yeah. Like, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, you know, from, you know, having a developer at Stitch Fix, who's a coder. So and we had an NFT uh, internship last year. Amazing. So, you know, it's just about giving these girls exposure and the opportunity to be in places that, you know, are really hard to break into for anyone. Right. Um, which is really important because I think, you know, both Stacy and I can say that we've had I've had great mentors and sponsors who have helped me. So I really feel it's our job to, right. to get back. And, and what's the difference between a mentor and a sponsor? It's a good question. And I'm glad you asked. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a difference and everyone should make sure you have both. A mentor is someone within your company or outside of your company who can give you guidance just on like this situation happened. Did I handle it right? Advice on your next career move. You know, even if you just want to run by like, you know, I have this situation. What do you think? So someone who's just going to mentor you through issues, problems, career changes, career moves, like an et cetera, an advisor. A sponsor is someone in your company or in your industry who's advocating you for you behind closed doors. Right. So when promotion time comes up, they're like, I think you, Mindy Francis, is a good candidate for this because X, Y, and Z reason. If there's an opportunity to do something amazing at the company and speak on a panel, I think Mindy Francis should be doing this because I want to give her exposure. So it's someone who's actively advocating for you in the company or in your industry who is helping you along. And for me, I've had great mentors and sponsors. Like a lot of my board seats came from sponsorship. A lot of my jobs have come from sponsorship and mentors who have thought of me and recommended me for lots of opportunities. So I mean, one thing I'll say is I haven't got, you know, I would never claim to have gotten anywhere on my own. Right. You know, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, my work speaks for itself, but, you know, people have definitely helped, have helped me on the way. So that's why I feel so passionate about being able to help others. Right. It's a question people ask all the time, but since we're on the topic, how do you find them? Yeah, I think this is where the uncomfortable part comes in again, because you have to go ask and you have to network. You know, no one's coming to you and being like, I want to be your mentor. Right. You know, so you definitely have to seek people out and not be afraid to go up to them and say, like, I've admired your career. You're doing exactly what I want to do. I would love to have a coffee with you. I mean, I get tons of emails and I answer most of them. Yeah. Like you can't do everything, but, you know, you try and people appreciate it. So I would say, like, don't feel nervous or afraid about it because people actually are flattered that you've asked, but you have to ask and you have to be proactive and you have to do it. I'll tell you a trick. I can't believe I'm giving this up, but like my, when I was in banking, my first boss told me this. she was like, you need to treat your network like an org chart. And she had me write mentor, sponsor, friend. There were like five columns and she Mm -hmm. told me to write names that you know, like who's going to be your person and all these things. And then like right below it as you get more people. So I actually started doing, I still have it on my wall today. It's now about 50 people, but it started out with like, oh, this is the person I think should be my mentor. This is the person I think should be my sponsor. You should always have a friend and like kind of a agnostic friend who, who's not you know, bought into any of this and right. give you just good advice. Good perspective. Yeah, good perspective. <laughs> and then get out of your bubble. Yeah. And then, oh, I know the fifth, the other one was like people you admire. Right. Who you just think you should meet. 
And so I literally created that org chart and I still use it today. That's absolutely brilliant. And that's how I and start inspiring. going up to people. I'm like, I need to like receipt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. So I want to go back to fashion tech connects. When did you launch that? When 2017. 2017. That's remarkable. And I think the message here is that, you know, you just start where you are. Yeah. A lot of folks feel like they want to have initiatives and do things, but it has to be this pomp and circumstance or you need funding and so forth. And you and Stacy picked up where you were with the resources you had, meaning time, because time is, yeah. uh, is valuable. Yeah. And you've impacted and changed lives and trajectories because these internships completely change the trajectory of your life and they are sometimes impossible to get. Yeah. And so it's really a big deal. And the good part is, too, the girls still call it like, you know, a couple of them, like a lot of them now have graduated from college and have jobs. And now, like one just called me the other day. She's like, I need a job change. I need to talk to you. So there's still, you know, so now they... they I'd have you on my org chart yeah. if I <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk about Stephanie off-duty. Yes. I know you're... So where do I start? There's so many things. You're, you're, you're an avid traveler. You're definitely a fashionista. You you give back. Um, you know, you're such a big advocate for so many causes, but you're also an art collector as well. And I know we we love talking about that. So tell us a little bit about that side of you. Yeah. I mean, a, a few years ago, I've always been interested in interested in art, but I don't feel like I have a good eye for, you know, I mean, I know what I like, but I'm like, is this something I should be doing or not doing? So I have a couple of you know, I kind of reached out to a couple of people. My friend, my friend Monique Maloche in Chicago owns a gallery um, and has like a lot of great, a lot of great work, a lot of great work by, you know, black artists. And then there's uh, Miriam Ibram, who also has a gallery in Chicago. She's a, a female woman owned gallery. It's also actually she just opened in Paris and now just in Mexico City. Wonderful. Um, and then Such I a have great some, art scene in Mexico City. Yeah, there's a really great art scene. Yeah. And then I have a lot of friends who are collectors. And so I kind of just, you know, my friend George, so I kind of just went to each of them and were like, you know, if I wanted to start, you know, where should I start? And my first big purchase Monique actually sold to me was a Cheryl Pope, which is, you know, it's out east. And, you know, from there, I just kind of like Jamani, he's, he's a great curator. He has a gallery in Chicago and Miami as well. So he sold me a couple of paintings. Um, and then I just started going from there, like, you know, taking my time. You know, Shannon Lewis, she's a, a Black artist out of Germany, actually, but she sold, she is, she's exclusive with um, Miriam Ibram. I fell in love with one of her paintings, so she's now one that I definitely try every time she's fighting. I'm like, okay, now you're, like, really expensive. Like, when I found her, I was <laughs> like, you know, this is great, you know, and now, you know, she's in a big gallery, but, you know, um, it's why you take your time, you know what I mean? So now I, you know, find the pieces that I love. Take My Time. Actually, another great one who was at the Andre thing this morning, Jamil Robinson, is oh, another yeah. great. So I have a few of his pieces Amazing. Um, as well. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's just about finding who you like. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you know, literally, I'm like, when is your next show? Right. Trying to get in early so, you know, right. you can, like, you know, maybe get something before it's on market. And then building a collection. But that, you know, that's, that's been a, a yeah really great yeah passion of mine. But I've seen you for years at the Studio uh, Museum of Harlem events and yes. the Whitney Studio Art Party and the new museum and all, you know, all the other events supporting. So it's it's great um, that you are such a supporter of the arts 
and female artists. Yes. Um, it's it's really been a joy to watch your passion in that area. So back to business. Yes. You're a big advocate of women-owned businesses mm -hmm. and supporting their growth. Can you explain your work there? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was lucky enough after all of our hard work at Farfetch, um, we, you know, we had an IPO, which is amazing. Um, so I've been able to not only be on advisory boards of a lot of women-owned business, like, you know, Sherry, Sherry McMullen and others, but I've also been able to invest in a few companies, which has been amazing. So I've invested in Face Gym, um, which Incredible. is a women-owned brand. I've invested in MyLooney, which is a femtech brand that helps alleviate, you know, all the moodiness during our menstrual cycle. Right. Um, and they're also coming out with some new products uh, towards the end of this year into next year that help a lot of other issues that, that women have around that time and then moving into different phases of life. Um, but I think femtech is a huge, a huge space mm -hmm. that um, we should all be, you know, looking at. I'm looking at the current investment of a Black female founder, actually, um, I won't name it, but it, it's actually in the plant-based uh, milk area, okay. which, again, is um, one of mine. So, you know, I look for companies um, and founders, you know, obviously in an industry, I feel like I can add value. Right. Um, so that, you know, you know wh whether it be marketing or go-to-market or strategy, that I can actually add value to them in their business and, and on their board. So it's not just like, you know, I've given... That brings your money. life full circle. Yeah. And, and it's such such a yeah. great feeling. And it gives you learning different you learn things. Yeah. And contribute your skills in another way. And I think it's fantastic because we all know, well, we don't all know, but the statistics are women, you know, female founders garner less than 6% yeah. of venture capital in the United States. And for Black female founders, it's less than 2%. Yeah. So to have a woman such as yourself who has such you know, astute expertise in, in the CPG space and consumer space. Um, have yourself be seen, have these founders be seen by you is really a vote of confidence. Yeah. And, and, and that's quite a bit. No, thank you. Yeah. And, and, and I enjoy it. And, um, you know, too, it's like learning different industries, um, which is great. But I think just at the core, like you said, I think I can offer some expertise there. So, right. um, yeah. What advice would you have for any female founders that may be feeling discouraged because they're, you know, the statistics are what they are? I, I always say if Reese Witherspoon had trouble raising for her company, yeah. I think she raised like 95 yeah. billion or million yeah. or something. Yeah. Like she ended up with no 90, trouble, but no she's trouble she's at all. Yeah. Million, billion, whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. No, I mean, look, I mean, to be honest, I'll say it's hard. Um, you know, it's not an easy road. So, like, I always say, people are like, oh, why don't you have your own business? I'm like, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't think I have it in me. It's hard. You have to, um, you have to be there through thick and thin, the ups and downs, the setbacks, and the, and the more setbacks. But I think network, network, network. There's people like you who have an amazing, like, I mean, I call you Mindy for like, okay, who can we decide to do this? And I say the same about her. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like you have to... Um, cast a wide net you know you have to cast a really wide net and just keep going and you land you land one and then you can land the next right. one you know what I mean but you know I guess the advice I would have is just you have to you have to be passionate about it. you have to really want it right because if you don't Great advice you're gonna get discouraged because it's not so easy right it's right. not there's no 
there's really no magic bullet. Right. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. I, we couldn't wrap this conversation without me saying that I've long admired you are at the cultural zygus of things. And the partnerships that you put together have been truly just phenomenal and incredible. You will, like LL Cool J and Cadillac Escalade and the Delano, put together things at different spectrums and they blend so harmoniously. And every time I've seen you move into a new space, you've hit the ground running and done that right away. And I think that's one of your superpowers. So I just had to applaud you for that for sure. No, thank you. And so one last question. For anyone interested in pursuing a career in tech as a second act, what advice would you give them? I would say, you know, especially if you're like not a product engineer or like a product person, I would say understand what your superpower is and what you're good at. Because when you're going to go to a tech company, it's it's different than other industries, right? So, you know, you're going to be in a space that you don't really know. You're going to have to learn the product side of it to be effective. So, you know, you have to make sure that the job you're in is something that you think you can immediately add value to. I mean, even with Google, like, you know, I interviewed for a couple roles that I'm like, this would be, could be cool, but I'm like, this might be a little bit too much of a learning curve. Like, I right. don't understand this, nor do I understand that, nor do I understand that. Like, this should not be for me. So I would say be really clear on the role, what your responsibilities will be, and make sure that you can actually effectively contribute to that so that you, you know, because you're going to have to learn lots of other stuff. <laughs> so you want to make sure that the core is there. Well, thank you so much. We had Stephanie Horton, Global Consumer Marketing Director for Commerce at Google, where she leads B2C marketing teams and helps shape and drive vision and strategy of Google shopping and travel. Stephanie, how can we find you? Wow. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Um, Stephanie Horton. Stephanie Horton. I'm shorton 7 on Instagram because I love James Bond. (laughs) And I have the same handle on Facebook. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I'm your host, Yumindi Francis. You can find me at Yumindi360 on Instagram and Yumindi Francis at LinkedIn. That's all we have today for What's Next podcast with Yumindi Francis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.